so Skip, what happened though in the later part of the eighties? You kind of went your own way, and how'd you connect with Cool in the Gang? Uh, I really, there was a control thing going on where I really I was growing and evolving, and I wanted to. I heard things a certain kind of way. But being with the Daz band, it was only certain songs that were being, if you look on those records, most of the songs were written by Bobby Harris or, you know, Bobby and Eric or whatever. So it was not a window for me to get in on that writing and what I wanted to do. So I wanted to go on and do like, be like Phil Collins and Sting and go on and do some solo albums and still be with the Daz band. But at that time, that was an intimidating thought. So when I decided to do that, I was met with a wall of, well, it's not time for you to do that. And you should really wait. And it's really, it's got nothing to do with your voice in the first place. And you need to just sit back and, and chill. So then I said, okay, well, you guys go on and be rich and famous and I'll start over again. Because I don't, don't matter to me about the cars and the girls and all these other things. I just want to, I want to leave something and I can't leave anything here because my hands are tied. So after we had done about two years of playing concerts with Cool and the Gang, we were familiar with the guys and uh, I just said, well, guys, you know, with the Daz band, I said, look, you guys go on and be rich and famous and I'll start over. And I left Cleaver and I went back home to uh, California with my new wife, who was pregnant at the time, and um, we went on back home, had the baby. Just to uh, dial back in, we were talking okay. about, you know, why you left to do your own thing and why, you, you know, you needed to do that for yourself, and Cool and the Gang was in the mix. Yes, and I ended up getting a call from Cool and the Gang a year after I left uh, the Daz band and went on my own. Um, I'll let them go on and be rich and famous and I said I'll just start over again and um, was planning to go back home to California my wife was pregnant and um, with our first child and so I just moved on back to Sacramento and because of opening for Cool and the Gang for two years on concerts I knew all the guys in the band and they knew me so when JT Taylor left the band they called me as a possible replacement. And um, I told my mom, my mom just fell out. And, um, you know, she's like, couldn't believe it. And then she's, my mom has a, uh, what do you call it? A sixth sense or premonition or, and she said, baby, they're going to pick you, but you're not going to be the first one they choose. So I went there and did the audition. And I didn't hear anything from them. They picked another guy and they went on the road with him. It lasted for about two months. They said, that ain't going to work. Skip, come on. And they called me back. And I went and I started with what I thought would be a one or two year run. And that turned into 20 years. <laughs> yeah, we did it for 20 years. And, uh, and then close to the end of that time period, was when I realized that, you know, like that, what I was telling you earlier, success is a double-edged sword. People closer to you pay the biggest price. So here I was already 
uh, for a number of years with the Daz Band. <coughs> and my family couldn't see me much. And then I get this gig with Cool and the Gang, and I'm working twice as much as I ever did with the Daz Band. I'm out on the road eight months out of the year before we had cell phones and WhatsApp and FaceTime and all of that stuff. It cost me $600 to call home for three minutes. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so it was hard to keep in touch with home and the family and all of that. So after 20 years, and I actually, I did 10 years with Cool and the Gang doing two hours of a two and a half hour show <coughs> singing. And again, I wanted to play the horn parts, which is why I wanted to be in into Cool and the Gang anyway. But here I am singing all these vocals. So then after 10 years, they decided to bring another vocalist in. So now we can share the workload on singing, which was good for me because it was putting nodules on my vocal cords, <coughs> singing all those hours, all those shows. Then I could do all the horn parts to Open Sesame and Hollywood Swinging and, and Ladies Night and Celebration and all of those things that I always wanted to play the horn parts to. And uh, 10 years into that, they did a little hiatus for almost a year. The band, Cool and the Gang, decided to let to bring JT Taylor back and try to do something with JT. And it turned out to be a disaster for him. They fired the whole band. <coughs> JT came in and brought his people and this and that and so forth. It didn't work out. So they ended up calling us back, the original guys they had. Odine, Mays, Sean McQuillan, myself, the original band we had, pretty much. We went back out and started doing it again. But at that time, I went into a studio, Bernie Grunman's studio in Los Angeles, and I had done a remake of Let It Whip in a different vibe. And I'm, I'm working in this studio in Los Angeles in Sunset, and... They said, well, you're in studio number three. Dazman's in studio number three. And I'm thinking because I was doing a version remake of Let It Whip, they thought it was the Dazman. I go into studio number three, and there's the Dazman. It's Bobby Harris and some of the guys in the band, and they're in there. I hadn't seen them in 10 years. And Bobby said to me, you know what? You really need to come back and wear your own shoes. And I said, you know what? I may entertain doing that. So when, when Cool and the Game called me back about three or four months later, I said, you know, they said, you want your old job back? You want to come back and sing with us? I said, you're going to pay me? They said, yeah, we'll pay you. I said, well, yeah, I'd love to do it. However, I'm also playing with the Daz Band again now. So can you work with me on that? They said, yeah, we got another guy that's singing here. So, you know, we'll let you do, you know, do your thing. So for 10 of those 20 years, I did both Daz Band and Cool in the Gang simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest coup de gras in my life, Scott, was I was playing a New Year's Eve show. I think it was 2000 or 2001. And I was playing in Las Vegas on Fremont Street. Outdoors, New Year's Eve. With the Daz Band opening for Cool in the Gang. And I was singing lead for both bands. And I sang the whole show with the Daz Band. Then I tippy-toed into the dressing room of Cool in the Game. But I knew they were going to be hating on me. 
And when I got in there, one of the guys, they pulled me aside and said, look, now you just sang the whole show with the dads, man. We can't let you come and sing the whole show with us as well. So why don't you just play the trumpet and do your trumpet parts and this and that and let Sean sing tonight. I said, okay, cool. Same money? They said, same money. I said, all right. Okay. And I'll do that. And it was a blessing to do it. But this was one of those bittersweet moments. Because it was, again, it was a bittersweet moment, a double-edged sword. Because it was one of those finest hours. And I just wanted people that I knew and I loved to see that moment that was happening for me. My mom wasn't there. My sister wasn't there. My wife wasn't there. My ex-wife wasn't there. My kids weren't there. All of these things, I wanted to see this, this moment. But what I did was I just cherished it and I added to stories that I tell in life. You know, because the, the sweetest things that you could ever experience in life, somewhere in there, there's got to be some kind of a bitter lining to it. Because that's the yin and yang of everything. That's just what life is. There is no sweetness without bitter. How would you know the difference? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a blessing to have had this kind of a um, journey in my life. So that whatever happens to me, I'm going to always be level with it. Because I know to appreciate and accept and expect the bitter and the sweet. You got to look at it half full, baby. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I tell my son all the time. He's, he's 14. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. What, what, what was it like playing? How did playing with Cool and the Gang differ from the jazz experience? It was less musical and more funky. These were all, these guys were not so much jazz heads. Well, Ronald Bell, the guy that did a lot of the horn parts and created all that sound with the horn parts, he was kind of jazzy oriented. But the rest of the guys were street taught musicians. Cool was a one fingered bass player, but he was one of the most famous bass players in the world, and they built the stuff around him. You know, every, every line. Boom, 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 no matter where we were in the world, it didn't matter where we were. When we played our show, before that show was over, the people were losing their minds. Every place we played. It wasn't like they were sitting back to watch to see what we were playing. They were a part of what we were. And that's where it differed from Jazz Band to Cool and the Gang. Jazz Band was more specialty and more slick, and the guys were really talented and, you know, killer parts and kind of like the today's mint condition you know they were very we were on the edge with that but cool and the gang would always get them we were and they and they had so many hit songs that we couldn't even compete with it let it whip with one joystick with one when you got past that now what you got you got get down on it fresh take my heart joanna funky stuff hollywood swinging 
ladies' night. I mean, celebration. I mean, it just was going on and on and on and on. By the time that got to halfway in their show, everybody in the stadium was standing up and dancing. And I used to see that every night. And I would take it in because here I am playing with these guys, and it was like my first time playing with a real family, a real true legend lineage with these guys. Matter of fact, playing one night, I remember us playing Jungle Boogie in Budapest somewhere. They were doing, we were doing Jungle Boogie, and Cool was over there. When we got to the break, the breakdown and stuff, where you do the solos, it was my turn to do a solo. And Cool and Charles Smith and Khalees and Fitz on keyboards and Funky George Brown, they were just digging. Man, I just started winging it. I'm playing. It's 12 degrees outside. The smoke is coming out of our horns. What have you? But we were up there dancing and killing it. And I'm thanking God because I'm looking around and these guys are all looking at me as I'm bleeding my soul to this groove. And I was just so thankful. God, give me this opportunity, Lord Jesus. Thank you. It was such a such a moment. So I was really, really um, grateful to have had that 20 years with Cool in the Gang because it taught me some other sides of of being professional and some other sides of how you get people in the groove. And it really laid the groundwork for me today because now at this at 62 years of age, I play my own shows. Majority of them are my own shows and, and corporate shows playing that music. And I mix in stuff with the Daz band. But I can do this for the rest of my life because it's an audience that will never go anywhere and they're not going to die out till I do. And I'll be done when I do that. So I'm so thankful that I got a chance to do that and I get a chance to share those moments with people like yourself and with people that are listening to this interview and listening to the real um adventure hey skip your your uh, phone was moving around quite a bit and it, when it moves around it messes with your audio a little bit okay so i don't know how it's situated there but it was kind of shaking a lot during it was great at first but more recently it's been kind of shaken okay i'll try to focus on keeping it still because i don't have a stand oh you're holding it yes i'm holding it okay that's I had... okay but I hope we got enough where they could see me and understand me. Yes, I think so. I hope so. I hope those guys. Yeah. So, but in Cool and the Gang, I mean, you mentioned about playing those those horn parts. And, I mean, those horn tra uh, charts to tracks like Open Sesame and a lot of those other ones, I mean, they're among the all-time greatest. It must have been amazing to, to play those and be part of that. Oh, my God. I had a great time with it. And there was another guy that was in the band that played trumpet, lead trumpet. His name was Michael Ray. He played with a group called the Sun Ra Orchestra. And he was always on the outside. It takes all kinds of viewpoints to make a rainbow, you know? And that's kind of what we had with Cool and the Gang. Everybody had different, little bit different inputs and viewpoints. And Michael, he was always on the outside, but he could scream like Arturo Sandoval. He could just scream on that trumpet. And he and I had a trumpet solo that we did on Jungle Boogie, 
that we both bled. We played our little things we played, and we started bantering back and forth. And then he, and then he'd go, I go, and every time we hit the notes, we would jump up in the air and hit it in the air. So now we're going, bow, 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 bow. So people would lose their minds. <laughs> but he was, he and I were the only ones that would ever do something like that. And I remember doing a corporate show <laughs> with this band I had, and we were doing Jungle Boogie. And I told the trumpet player in the band, I said, Let, we're going to play this solo. And then he and you, we're going to go back and forth. We're going to go, bam. And he's going to go, bam. And I'm going to go, bow, bow, bow. And then we're going to jump and go, bow, bow. The guy looks at me and says, you want me to jump in the air and hit the notes, kid? I said, man, that's all right. I'm sorry. I got to carry it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Never will forget that. <laughs> um, so, but in the mid-80s, you put out your first solo record, too, right? I put out my first one, uh, yeah, I believe so, when I was with, uh, well, I put my first solo out, record out when I was with Vazban. Yeah. That was uh, the very first, and it was a single, wasn't the whole album. And um, Just a Heartbeat Away was the name of the song. And um, then later on, I did, I started doing my own albums. Um, and Michael Cooper from Confunction was instrumental in helping me doing my first smooth jazz CD. And it was called Miles High. And he heard me playing trumpet as we're playing this thing called United We Funk All-Stars with the Daz Band, Confunction, SOS Band, Bar Cage, and Charlie Wilson. We played as one band called United We Funk All-Stars. That's when I really got a chance to know Michael and, you know, you know all the, all the guys from the Bar Cave, Larry Dotson and all these cats. And uh, I was sitting there practicing one day on my trumpet as we're working on this stuff. And learning how to play Oops Upside Your Head, or Oops Upside Your Head, and Charlie Wilson stuff from Gap Band. And uh, Michael Cooper and Larry Dotson came over to me while I was practicing. Michael says, Skip, did you ever think about doing a a trumpet CD? And I was like, nah. You know, I never really thought about it. So you ought to think about it. So my very first trumpet CD, instrumental, I had Wayman Tisdale on it, Ricky Lawson, Al McKay, Raymond Calhoun from the Gap Band, Ronnie Laws. I had all these great players on it. And, and Michael Cooper financed my first Song to get me started on my first new jazz CD playing my trumpet. So I have him to thank for that. Then, wow, what, a, what a great player, too. The guy, that's, the guy that's sitting right here next to me now helped me create one of my masterpiece albums called Formal Dining. And out of the love of his heart and our time, he didn't charge me a dime. We sat in there and we worked our butts off for a month or so. Don't you not to tell brother. anybody that. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Okay, you can strike you can, that. You can strike that out that I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you take that off. But do, do you want to tell viewers? Hey, piece of people be calling and say, "Hey, you." I, you know, I, mean, I, I I let my Christianity get in the way sometimes. I should have said shit about that. Oh boy! Should right. I tell viewers who that who that is? <laughs> this is Tom Schumann, renowned keyboard player from Spyrogyra, fourteen-time Grammy nominee, and he's one of the best players on the planet. He's actually twelve Grammys, Grammy nominations. That's okay. More Good than more. It's good to see you, man. <laughs> so he helped me to create that CD called Formal Dining and other ones. So we've what, been... We've what been year did that one come out? When did it come out? Yeah. About four years ago. Wow. Uh, time's flying, man. Time's flying. Might have, let's, let's see. When does it say? Let's get Martin. Probably came out at least six years ago. We've known, known each other 15 years, just about. 2009. 2009. 10 years. <laughs> Time does fly. Yeah. Yeah. So and we've been on one almost every year ever since. Look at this. People are selling it used for $46.75, Skip. People are, he said, people are selling it used for $46.95. So you should have kept a garage full. I'm telling you, <laughs> we print some more up. Goodness gracious. So uh, we talked a little bit about before we started, you know, what you're working on now. So why don't you get viewers up to speed? Well, it's a it's a secret session, but it's a, um, a session like no other. And I've been hired to contract the horn players and do uh, the horn charts for about 16 tunes on a young man named Jason Hanner. Well, I can tell you at this moment, you'll hear about him later. And it's a beautiful thing. We've got a lot of great players playing on the project. Jonathan Moffitt, from Michael Jackson, Saida Garrett, Humberto Gatica, the producer, um, Nathan East on bass, um, Alan McKay playing guitar, Myself doing the horns with a bunch of other guys. Bobby Harris on sax, Ron Moton from Confunction, Raul Abdul from SOS Band on trumpet, and a guy named Nathan Tanner, Tanoy, on trombone from Celine Dion's band out here in Las Vegas. Wow. <laughs> That's quite an orchestra. Yeah, it's great. How long before we might be able to hear some of that? Probably sometime in September. October. We're, we're in the production of it now. And it may probably take longer than if it was just me and a couple of guys because everybody's working and not doing other things. So scheduling is kind of hard sometimes to get us all at the same time together. But uh, I'm looking at the end of September, October. And you're still uh, touring and doing shows with the Daz Band? Yes, still doing shows with the Daz Band. I'm starting to do book tours now. And a, and a gospel church tour. Because I released two books. Well, I released one just recently called Fables of a Paid Piper. And that first story I told you about the weed on the top of the car was uh, a story called In Plain Sight off of my new audio book. 
So that can be purchased. You can go to online and you can go to Audible. You can go to Amazon. You can go to YouTube and check me out because we start our program for advertisement on it and it'll be available online very soon. What inspired you to uh, go off in that kind of direction? I'm just creative and I had some moments in my life that had life lessons for me. And something came up and, you know, I would tell people the stories and I said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, I'm just going to put this, I'm going to put this out and make a story. And I wrote the story, but I relied on other people to help me to publish it and administrate it because I wasn't as good as administration and everything. And um, then I decided after three years of sitting on it, almost four years of sitting on it, I'm like, shoot, I'm going to do what I know how to do and get it done. And that is, I know how to make a record. So what I did was I made the record with Tom Schumann as my producer, like a uh, stand-up comedy. I, I recorded, I took behind the mic and I told 10 stories, all that had morals to them. Like I tell stories, we make you laugh, we make you cry. And then I, I put a banquet track underneath it. And then I took a, a stand-up comedian and had him do his thing. And I took his jokes out and I recorded the responses to his jokes and inserted those into my stories. And uh, then I put 10 hooks of 10 of my songs that I had written in between each story to separate each story, thus creating um, the audiobook Fables of a Paid Piper, volume one, audiobook. <laughs> and my brother painted the cover of the picture, cover of the, um, the album or the book. So that got me on that one. And then I also <clears throat> had written another book, which was a children's book, a totally different direction. And um, that will be out in, at the end of September as well. It's called Morgan the Clydesdale Pony. It's for six and under. Kids that are learning how to read. And um, yeah, I had a crazy idea. Crazy ideas are what end up being um, things that last forever. And um, I was playing the Kentucky Derby for a solo gig. And it was raining in Kentucky, that Louisville that day. And the water, the Red River was overflowing, the Ohio River was overflowing out of its banks. Hotels that had parking lots underneath their <clears throat> hotels on the first floor were all flooded out. And I said, wow, wouldn't that be something if a Clydesdale wanted to run in the Kentucky Derby? And I went home and I stayed up for three days and wrote this story about Morgan, a Clydesdale pony that was bought by a breeder of the Kentucky Derby race horses and thoroughbreds and owned the track. And I said, wow. And I created a story of him believing in what he wanted to be. And even though the people in the barn, all his friends told him he was crazy and he was this and that and so forth, he grew up to be twice as big, twice as wide, twice as strong as the narrow hooved, sleek uh, racehorses that could run like the wind, but they couldn't run in the mud like he could. And when that rain came and they had mud all over, the thoroughbreds were slipping and sliding and falling, and Morgan could run right through that and run right past them on the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Only because the lead horse that the owner owned 
came up lame in his practice lap running in the mud. He fell and made all the other horses fall behind him and crashed. And he came up lame, so the jockey put Morgan in the race. Morgan and the jockey. So it tells kids, let them believe, let them show. And I put a little song in it that goes, you can be anything, anything, anything. You can be anything if you believe. And that's the overall or the underall hook to the whole story. You can be anything if you believe it, even if you are just a Clydesdale pony. Do you have any uh, grandkids that are in that age bracket? Yeah, I have, I, have, I have a four-year-old granddaughter. I can't wait to tell it to her and read it to her and all of that because it's. I did an audio book where I'm telling the story that goes along with the book. So you can actually put that in and it'll play me telling the story with the words that are written on the book. And the pick. <laughs> so then every two pages or every time there's a page change, it'll go that lets you know to change the page. And then it continues on. I got all, all the sound effects and they're off. And then horses running and all of this stuff. And the, and the rain came down, lightning, buckets, and thunder crashed. Boom. I've got all the sound effects and all the different voices. Well, Morgan is like, uh, Morgan's a Kentucky. He was bought by a guy that lived in Kentucky. So he has that Kentucky accent. So Morgan is, hi, my name's Morgan, and I'm a Clydesdale. <laughs> yep. And I got other characters within the, the book. I've got Sasha the cat, who's kind of sexy. She's like, yeah, how? You so crazy. Got a guy in there that's me. His name is Kool-Aid. Everything Kool-Aid says, Shabbatabdua. No way. Then you have uh, the cow, Millie the cow. She got her personality, and she's like, you got to move faster than that. And I've got Oscar the owl, who's very wise. He's like, who, 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 who do you think you are? <laughs> did, did you get your brother to illustrate? On this one, no. I got a young lady named Gracie out of Texas, 14 years old, Scott. She illustrated the whole book, made me cry. I gave her the audio and everything and told her what I wanted, and she made it page by page, every description that I just said to you. She drew it in cartoon, and it's fantastic. It's just fantastic. Wow, who would have thunk? Man. <laughs> let, me ask, let me ask you two more questions, and then we'll wrap here. Thank you. <laughs> um, one is why you know what is what does funk music mean to you in your life you've done so much of it um what makes it special what does it mean to you funk is a note with a space between it that makes the next note special funk is a note with a space between the next note that makes it special and that's what it was not about playing all of these different things. It was about boom, 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 boom. It's a space in between it that makes the next song special. And that's where funk comes from. So that was your first question. What was the second question? Looking back at all of it, musically speaking, what are you most proud of? 
I'm most proud of the man that I have become throughout all of this. It's been a lot. It's been a long journey. I've had choices. I could have gone different directions. And I have been no angel. I have been no saint. But what I have come to realize is who I am, and what my purpose is, and what's valuable to me. So I'm very thankful that I can be an orator and tell the story because I really it comes back down to why I want to do it in the first place. I want it to be remembered. I want to leave something that people will remember. And I'm getting there. Well, I'm glad that you're still on that journey because, uh, you know, you're never sitting still, it seems to me. Always looking for something new, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I'm still doing that. It's a blessing. Yeah. Skip, it's been a blast. Thank you so much Thank for sharing all this. <clears throat> Thank you so much. I'm going to okay. go back to my session now and work it out with Tom. Got two more songs to do today. All right? All right. I love you, man. Thank you for this time. Absolutely. Take good care. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Hey, back at Truth and Rhythm headquarters. Thank you for joining us on another magical ride with Truth and Rhythm. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, thank you so much for your continued interest and support. Be sure to subscribe. Go to YouTube. Go to the Funkin' Stuff channel. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives and breathes and thrives. Also, goodies here like TIR Quick Takes. And if you subscribe, you know what? You get the show before anyone else. It's free. If you love jazz, funk, R&B, soul, you can't miss it. Pass it along. Tell a friend. Tell family. This audience is growing, and it is a beautiful thing, all coming together for the love of this great music. Also, if you can throw us a buck or two, we could use the support financially, keeping the lights on, keeping the servers going, all these expenses. If you can help support the program, whatever you can give, much appreciated. Go to the FunkinStuff.net website. And on the right-hand side of every page, you just click and you can donate through PayPal, credit card, whatever. Very easy to do and so much appreciated. And if you do a sizable donation, I will mention you on the program. Also, drop me a line. Email me at scottg at funkinstuff.net. Let me know who else you'd like to see on the show, what you enjoy about the music. Let's just kibitz and uh, talk about stuff, you know, talk music. You'll find that I respond very quickly, and I much enjoy the uh, rapport and the camaraderie and the interaction. Always remember, this is your show, The True Music Lover. So for now, that's all the time we have for this one. It's a wrap. As always, Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.